Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Winston Preparatory School is a leading school network for students with learning disabilities. Learn more about Winston Prep and register for an open house at www. WinstonPrep.edu. Our next guest, Christine Yu, wrote a book called Up to Speed, and she is a very accomplished journalist. She's written for the Washington Post, Outside Magazine, Runner's World, Self, Vice, many different places. And she's written a book called Up to Speed because in her reporting on elite athletes, she recognized that there was a difference between men and women and the way in which science and our, you know, vast... Um, industry of studying sports has really given short shrift to women. I was very intrigued by this. Christine, you welcome to the show today. Hello. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. You know, Christine, this is when I first read about what you're doing, and I want to hear everything. I want to just tell you up front that there was an analogy that went right in my brain. And you're a journalist, you probably know this. It was not until 1991 that there was any study of breast cancer that was done on women's breasts. Okay? No, no, this is true. All the information about breast cancer, which predominantly afflicted women, was done on the basis of studying it in men. Can you imagine that? This is a truth. This is true. You can look this up. And I remember because it was 1991 and a friend of mine had breast cancer and she was an activist. And she told me this and she told me that it was in 1991 that they were going to be studying for the very first time breast cancer in women. And I remember you could have picked me up off the floor because <laughs> I said, how can they know dosages? How can they understand chemotherapy? How can they do anything if they're only studying breast cancer in men, which is a relatively rare phenomenon to begin with? The vast majority of people that get breast cancer are women. And when I was thinking about what you did and this book and what you're exploring, that's the analogy that came to my mind. Our bodies are not the same. Yeah, it's wild, right? And incredibly infuriating when you hear stories like you just said, when we 
completely discount women from the scientific study. And I don't know the specifics of, you know, the breast cancer case, but I could imagine that part of the reason that was given was because it's more complicated to study, even though breast cancer is more prevalent in women, it's more complicated to study women because we have fluctuating hormones. And so that makes scientific study more difficult. Um, but yeah, it's, it's extremely infuriating. Right? So, Christine, you, so you're a journalist, you're a reporter, you're a writer. Tell me when this spark hits you that you wanted to do more research on this subject. Yeah, I've always been really interested in the human body and how things work. But, you know, as you mentioned, as I started reporting more on women athletes and I started talking to more experts in the field, you know, they kept telling me that, oh, well, actually, we don't really know that much about female physiology. And I was like, what do you mean? And they kept saying, you know, that the vast majority of research is done in men. And even, you know, between 2024 and 2020, so not very long ago, only 6% of studies on sports science were focused specifically on women. And that's such a small, small percentage. So for me, I really wanted to understand why. Why was this happening? And what ultimately, what does it mean for girls and women? And, you know, we've seen women's sports explode in the last several decades and so much interest. So, yeah, I wanted to understand, well, what are we doing? How are we not serving our our girls and women? And what are the kinds of things that we should be studying to give women information that will help them as athletes? What should we be knowing? I think a big piece that, you know, I kind of alluded to is the menstrual cycle because Mm -hmm. we have these fluctuating hormones and those hormones have really important jobs aside from just coordinating our fertility cycle. They, you know, estrogen is such an important factor in bone building, in muscle building and maintaining muscle mass in cardiovascular health. And so those, it makes sense, right, that those hormones and the way that they move throughout the month could potentially have an impact on how women feel and how they perform um, when they are, you know, being athletic. Oh, no question about it. I always said when I was menstruating, which was most of my life, right, that um, I only had two good days a month altogether, if you know what I mean. (laughs) There's only two good days a month where I felt like I wasn't getting fat, I wasn't bloated, I wasn't, you know, having my period. I mean, please. So, um, and I'm not an athlete, and maybe that's one of the reasons why I'm not an athlete, because so much of the time of my month, I was spent sort of taking care of my body in a way that I didn't feel like doing anything athletic. And I think that that's a really big factor because, you know, between 80 and 90 percent of people who menstruate experience some sort of symptoms like you were describing. And it can very well impact your motivation to exercise, how, you know, your ability to complete a workout, how hard that workout feels. And yet for so long, you know, women have been encouraged to almost discard that or ignore that, right? We can't talk about it. You know, it makes us, you know, it puts us in the position of like being weak and frail and vulnerable and all of this stuff. Whereas I think we're recognizing more now that it's like, no, this is an actual real part of our experience every day, every month, and we should pay attention to it. And so how can we help girls and women 
you know, mitigate some of those symptoms, right? How do, can we help them make it a little bit better so that they feel better when they do exercise, that they're more willing to go out there? It's true. And I want to ask you, Christine, you, and I don't know if there are any stats on this or if you have any anecdotal feeling about it, but how many of women's sports are coached by men? And can we make the generalization that men would be less sympathetic or maybe not less sympathetic to women and to girls as they're getting their period and going throughout their hormonal cycles? Do we know the difference in coaching, uh, whether or not we can make generalizations about gender? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, so I, I know anecdotally that, you know, it is a vast majority of men who are coaching, right? Because men are the ones who have always played sports. They And then what's the next step? They become coaches. I know that the I believe it's the Tucker Center at, at the University of Minnesota has a, like a report card on NCAA coaches, I believe, you know, the gender breakdown there. But to your point, um, I think that for male coaches, it's a hard topic to broach in part because they don't know, right? They're not educated about this. If women aren't educated about it, the men definitely aren't educated about it. And they might feel awkward and weird asking their athletes about, you know, something like their menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, is it could be so misinterpreted. Often. We're living in a very exactly. sort of tiptoe dangerous society about anything that could be misconstrued or people can be sensitive. It's, and, you know, and teenage girls are the most sensitive population in the world anyway. I mean, anyway. Yeah, it's a it's a very hard topic to broach, especially when you, you're not educated about it. But I think also because they're men, their experience of sport is ha- likely very different from girls, right? They don't have those symptoms every month, so they might not be able to identify it or even, like, have the presence of mind to think to ask the question, right? Because if they don't experience it, they don't know to ask the question, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm just thinking about it from a male coach's point of view. You know, you've got a tennis team or a field hockey team. At any one time, you don't know which of the girls may be menstruating or um, about to menstruate, which can even sometimes be more obnoxious. And so for the body, for us as women. And so how do you get around asking that? How do you do that in a way that isn't demeaning? Um, yeah, I can see that that could be pretty complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's not necessarily that the coach needs to know the exact details of every athlete, right? You know, in terms of what day she's bleeding or what her specific symptoms are. I think a good starting point is just starting to have the conversation with the athletes, um, making it 
a, a safe and open space for them to discuss with the coach and say, hey, coach, I don't, you know, I, I'm feeling a little sluggish today or, or I have really bad cramps. So that might be a reason why I'm not running as hard today. Mm-hmm. Um, letting the girls talk about it and not feel ashamed that they are having these symptoms um, or that they can't tell their coach about it. And the coach just emphasizing with the athletes that this is a normal process. This isn't all normal. Okay. So thank you for telling me. So, you know, maybe, you know, you, they don't even necessarily have to change what they're doing, but just being aware of it, um, I think can go a long way. So one of the things you say, Christine, you is that men's experiences have set the standards for athletic progression, training, nutrition guidelines, injury prevention protocols, and athletic gear design. I find that to be a huge sort of fertile thing to be talking about. <laughs> let's let's talk about injury prevention because injuries are on the rise for both boys and girls. And I want to talk about boys and girls under the age of 18. A tremendous uh, stress fractures, orthopedics complaining that these kids are being overworked like crazy. If the standards are all about how much training is too much training for a boy, one can imagine for a girl, it could be way too much training. Yeah. And I feel like that this is particularly amplified in youth sports, right? Because over the years, youth sports has become a really big business. It's like a $19 billion industry. And so there's so much pressure for kids to train year round, to train at higher levels, to have higher training volumes, they're doing a lot more. Like they're doing, you know, high school kids are doing what college kids were doing like 10 years ago. Really? Right? So it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot for a body that is still growing, growing. and still mm-hmm. developing and potentially in, you know, kind of a fragile, vulnerable state as it's like morphing into its adult form. Yeah. And if the metrics are all done on boys, but they're being applied to girls, it's just not fair. It's just not accurate. It's just not scientifically the right approach. And, you know, the the way that girls go through puberty and their experience of puberty might mean that their athletic performance looks like it stalls or looks like it goes backwards even because girls are getting used to their new bodies, right? With the wider hips, they have breasts. Um, you know, they're putting on some weight, they have hormones fluctuating, all of those things can make you feel really different in your body. So it's no wonder, right, that their performance may look different. So Christine, you what do you want to do with this information, this science, this awareness? Who do you want to take it to? What studies do you want to get going? Yeah, I mean, my hope is, is that, you know, this isn't a book just for people competing, you know, at high levels of sport. I really want this book to go out to, you know, girls and women at all ages and all stages of physical activity and athletics. And my hope really is to that they see themselves and their experiences and recognize that um, they're not just one offs. Right. I feel like so many times we hear these stories of you know, girls and women in sports who, you know, fall off the face of the earth or something terrible happens. And we kind of brush them off as, oh, that's just one experience. That's, you know, that's not the norm. But the fact is, is that that, you know, things like that happen on a much bigger basis than we recognize. So I want people to to understand that all of (laughs) their experience in sport and in physical activity is absolutely real. It's absolutely valid. And we need to be having more of these conversations. We 100% need to be doing more research on, you know, 
women, but just more diverse populations, frankly, right? Because, you know, the the literature right now is very concentrated on young men, college-age men, who are largely from westernized countries. And that is a very, you know, if you think about it, that's a very narrow slice of the, of the human population. Well, they certainly have the money to do it, okay, because professional sports, sports gambling, what, however you want to siphon off the money from sports, there's just an enormous amount, and there's, an, as you said, an enormous amount of money in youth athletics. So there's no reason why they can't take some of it and put it aside towards some better research. And it's better for them. It's better for their industry. It's better to design more appropriate clothing and have more appropriate expectations. It's better. So I hope that they do it. And the money is there. Absolutely. Yeah. Christine Yu, the book is called Up to Speed. I want to thank you very much for being on the Lisa Wexler Show today. Thanks for your work. Thank you so much. A pleasure. We'll be right back with more of the show. Stay tuned. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 